Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Checker Past and Present. On today's episode, we're going to look at seven drivers that we wish we could have watched them race in their prime or wish they could have made it to their prime because unfortunately there are some drivers in the sports history that never got the chance to show what they truly were capable of. But we're going to name our top seven on that list. And Brett, we'll start out with you. What's your number seven? My number seven, a lot of NASCAR fans, probably even you would say it would be pretty basic. Um, but I would have loved to have been in live and air and watched him race as Richard Petty. I mean, he's, he's the king, um, all-time winningest driver in the history of the Cup Series. No longer the history of NASCAR. As Kyle Busch has passed him with the most wins across all three major touring series. But the king, I'd love to watch him. Obviously, if you don't know the stats about Richard Petty, um, 200 career victories, obviously the most all-time in history of the Cup Series. Seven-time champion, one of three drivers, along with Dale Sr. and Jimmy Johnson, Johnson to accomplish that feat. Um, and, and for me, I would love to have been alive back in that era to see – because there was kind of a period between, you know, the start of NASCAR in 1949 and about 1972-73 where NASCAR didn't really have the um, – I guess you could put it – have the structure that they have today, I guess, in a word. So, you know, Richard Petty was running – you know, I, I think there was one year Richard Petty ran like 60 races, and they were all points-paying races, um, which I think was the year when he won his 27 races. So they, they were they were running a lot of races. Um, he was winning a lot of them anyway, but they were also running a lot of races. And, you know, I'm also, uh, I say in the process, I'm almost done reading um, Kyle Petty's autobiography that he wrote. And um, it's just reading that and kind of reading a lot about how he grew up with Richard and then, Kyle's racing career, and then I don't want to spoil it, but there will be another Petty on my list later down the road. It might be Lee. It might be Adam. It'll be one of them, though. But just kind of reading about that um, has really brought even more intrigue to me um, for Richard Petty. So, um, and, and he's the king, man. He, he's the king. So, that's, that's number seven on my list. Yeah, you can't go wrong with picking the king. I didn't put him on my list, and it's nothing – Obviously, I would have loved to have watched him race, but there is somebody else on my list coming up that if I'd have been able to watch him race, I'd have been watching the King also. So yeah, me too. I got actually two guys on my list that if I'd have watched uh, watched the King in their prime, I'm going to be watching these other two guys too. But who, who you got at number seven? Uh, I got probably a underrated driver in the history of the sport, uh, Kenny Irwin Jr. Mm, that's good. That's good. The everybody looks at it as nobody thinks that he would have been a future superstar. A lot of people wouldn't have thought that because his brief time in the Cup Series from 1998 until July of 2000, when he unfortunately passed away at New Hampshire with his throttle hanging going into turn three, was not that impressive. But I honestly believe that he's a little bit of Joey Logano syndrome and mm-hmm. honestly William Byron too. He went from running USAC and being the USAC national champion in 1996 in the midget division to winning Cup of Cup Rookie of the Year in 98. But before that, in 97, he did not run a full Xfinity schedule. He ran the trucks, which in that time frame was nowhere near what the Cup cars were in that era. He did right. win Rookie of the Year in 97 in the trucks. But I believe he just got moved up way too fast. And the same thing with Logano, and it almost cost Logano his career. 
if AJ Allmendinger would not have failed a drug test in June of two, July of 2012, Joey Logano may not be where he is right now. He he may be another Elliot Sadler. I mean, that, that's a really good point. You know, he's a guy that would have won two cup races from 09 to 12, and maybe he doesn't get another opportunity in the Cup Series. Um, but I, I love the parallel you draw there to Kenny Irwin Jr. Uh, obviously, very tragic what happened to him. Um, only got to run two years in that Robert Yates 28 car. Um, and then was in the 42 car with Felix Sabatis, which was not a bad team at that time. And and I like the, you know, it almost begs the question to wonder what would Kenny Irwin Jr. would have done in that car once Chip Ganassi would have gotten the sport. And he and Felix would have both owned um, you know, that 40 and 42 cars. So I, I don't know. It would have been really interesting to see. It would have been really interesting to see, but I, unfortunately we're not able to see it. So just needed more seat time, I think, and I'm with you. He, he was a uh, he was a guy that, that kind of ushered in, in my opinion, even more open wheel guys into the sport. You got to think um, next year in 99, or excuse me, that was the in the second year of Tony Stewart's cup career. Um, Jimmy Johnson would, you know, make his debut a couple years later. Um, Jeff Gordon had already been doing what he was doing in the sport at that time. So it was such a open wheel richness at that time of guys moving over to stock cars. And I, I really do think Kenny Warren Jr. could have made that transition. I believe he would have too. And like you said, the next year that team was so fast when they swapped over to Dodges starting in 2001. And one thing that Kenny has on his side, Tony Stewart does not praise many drivers. Mm-hmm. And I have heard multiple times Tony Stewart say, Kenny Irwin had a chance to be more successful than I was in the Cup Series. Then that says a lot. They came through pretty much the same time. Kenny made it the full-time Cup the first year that uh, Stewart was running some Xfinity races and was still running full-time in the IRL. And I just feel like it's a story that will that really never got started with him. And he had a lot of talent. You don't win the USAC Midget Champion ship and not have extreme talent in my opinion especially especially in those days absolutely that was uh that was some hard 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 opponents they raced against back then no doubt well to move on brett what who do you have at number six so for number six um i got another connecticut guy um obviously talked about joey um srh racing in in connecticut last night i got a connecticut guy who doesn't have the greatest legacy because of how his life came to an end is Rob Morosa. Um, he won the Bush series in uh, 1989, which is now the Xfinity series. And he did that at only the age of 21. Um, he was by far the youngest at the time, was the youngest Bush series champion um, until Brian Vickers won it. And then obviously um, Ty Gibbs last year became the second youngest, I think surpassing Rob, if I'm not mistaken. So what, Rob Moroso did at that time, winning it at 21 years old. He finished second in his age 20 season in 1988. Um, and he's really struggled in his rookie year in 1990. Um, and if you don't know the story, was at a bar um, one night in September 90 towards the, towards the end of his rookie season in the Cup Series. Um, was heavily intoxicated and ended up having a uh, – having a head-on wreck, head-on collision, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and um, basically um, killing um, 
some people in that incident, including himself. So um, his blood alcohol level was almost three times the legal limit. Um, says here he um, he actually lost control of the vehicle, um, killed Moroso and Tammy Williams, which was a wife and a mother who was traveling in the opposite lane. Um, however, Moroso's girlfriend, as well as a passenger in the other vehicle, also survived but with injuries. So killed two people and, and two others were injured in the incident. Um, but, I mean, obviously it's a sad way that he, that he went out um, and obviously taking an innocent person with him, which is why I don't think we really hear a lot about Rob Moroso. But what he did on the racetrack, um, you know, only God knows. And I truly mean that. Only God knows what he would have done in the Cup Series. But, I mean, to win the Bush Series in that era, of those guys he was racing against, um, you did still have bushwhackers back in that day. Not as prevalent as in the 2000s, but, I mean, you know, Dale Senior would run the occasional bush race. You would have, you know, guys like Randy LeJoy starting to come onto the scene. Um, you know, you, 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 you had a lot of guys who are in the Hall of Fame now um, who, who were running the Bush Series back then, too. So I, I, I would love to see what he could have done, Jonathan, in the Cup Series. And, and unfortunately, his life and, and another life was taken at that September 9, 1990. Yeah, it's very interesting to look back at guys like him because you just – it looks like they got the whole world in front of them. And then you have one day that just takes it all away. And like you said, he had struggled in that rookie season. And there's some people – I've done a little research on him, not as much as you have. You're more familiar with him than I am, and I'll admit that. Um, But he has started to get a stigma that year for some reason, for making several mistakes as a rookie driver. And that I don't understand because one of the greatest in this sport wrecked 13 cars in his rookie year, and that was Gordon. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you can judge what his true driving talent saw for that was. I think you had to go back and look at the incredible run that you detailed greatly in his uh, Ben Bush Series career in 98, I mean in 88 and 89, which is extremely impressive. And I'm with you. It's just a sad way the way his life ended. And it, not only did he pass away in it, another lady did. And it's just a sad situation all the way around with Rob. Yeah, like I said, it would have been – you just obviously wish now. But, I mean, obviously it wasn't the way it was supposed to happen. But just wish that that, that would have not happened, um, obviously, for more than one reason. But also as a race fan and as a human being, I'd see two lives be taken at night and, and be able to see how his career played out. But Rob Moroso – Definitely, I would encourage anybody listening to this, if you're not familiar with that name, um, read about him. And, and you know, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't – it hasn't been too long ago, uh, maybe within the last five or so years, NASCAR Race Hub did a feature on Rob. Um, and it was a – you know, they do those from time to time during the week. It's probably like a 15, 20-minute feature. You might could even find that on YouTube. I, I would encourage you, if you don't know a whole lot about Rob, to, to read about him and, and, and learn about him. I really think he was the – he was the uh, the Ty Gibbs or the Noah Gragson or the, you know, I don't know who else you want to throw in there, the Joey Logano even or um, any young guy, the Jeff Gordon even. He was Jeff Gordon before Jeff Gordon, dominating in the Bush series against all these cup guys and then moving up. So, but at number six for you, who, who are we, uh, who do we got here? I have the 1973 Cup Series champion, Mr. Benny Parsons. Oh, that's good. That's good. And part of this, the because I fell in love with him 
because when I was a child, just starting to get into the sport, obviously he was with NBC. And I loved listening to him and watching him call races on Sundays. And that probably led into it. And then I wound up being interested in him because I found out, obviously, he was a driver. He was a champion. So I did a bunch of research on him when I was a young kid. And he only ran 526 races in a 21-year span. So that tells you right there he ran a lot of part-time seasons in his career. But out of those 526 races, he had 283 top 10s. That's a pretty good ratio. Mm-hmm. So, and he had a, back in that those days, like everybody else, he just didn't run as many races to take advantage of uh, the equipment he was in. But back then, you had a lot of mechanical failures on these cars, um, especially engines. Because I've seen a bunch of classic races I've watched that he was in contention to win and the engine fell. He reminds me, if you fast forward to the 2000s of Matt Kenseth, that same kind of just be there all day in the top 10, but all of a sudden, 15 to go, he's up there battling for the wing and out of nowhere. That's kind of how it seemed his career went. He had to fight hard for everything he had. He only won 21 races, but he was extremely consistent and 20 poles. But that championship that he won in 1973, the story behind that is incredible. Getting involved in the wreck, getting the whole right side of the car literally ripped off, went in the garage. If he doesn't come back out, he was going to lose the championship. Other crew members from other teams jumped in and helped him patch that car back together. Even when he went back on the track, you can see pictures, you can still see him, but they had the roll bars in it at least. And uh, and he wound up holding on to win that title. And I just think he'd have been a fun person to watch and follow when he was racing in his prime. BP, yeah, I mean, I think you are a lot like me in the sense that, um, and even maybe the generation before us, our parents um, really fell in love with Benny Parsons because of who he was in the broadcasting booth. Um, I still remember, man, when he passed away, I was a little kid, man. It, you know, brought me to tears just because some of my first memories are, are listening to Benny Parsons. Um, and, man, I, I mean, back in the day, hearing him on television – um, whether it was on NBC, um, TNT, or whether it was on, you know, ESPN back in the late 90s, you know, now that they got Thursday Night Thunder coming back with SRX, um, it just brings so many memories back when, when you talk about BP. But I say all that to say a lot of us forget, me really included, so I'm pointing the, the finger at here, we forget how good of a race car driver Benny really was. Um, but he was also just as good, maybe a better commentator. So, he was a guy, I'm with you. I would have loved to have seen race. I'm not on my list, but BP, he's one of my all-time favorite NASCAR personalities, both in, in the car and in the booth. So, Yeah, I definitely always liked him. And January of 2007 was real sad. And it was a bad month for NASCAR because that was also the month that we lost um, Bobby Hamilton. Right. Both of them, big names in the sport, we lost at that same time, unfortunately. But – uh. That's really all I have on Benny. It's uh, I wish he could have been in the NBC broadcast a little longer. But one thing I will say as a kid that I laugh at myself now is I had played, uh, talk about video games. That's how me and you met to be able to do this podcast to start with. I had played NASCAR 2000 on uh, Nintendo 64. 
and they had the broadcasters in it. And I can remember this voice saying, man, oh, man. And then when I started watching the race, I was like, that's the dude from the game. And I just always maybe starting off hearing him on that video game really led to it, too. You you never forget the the guys who made a uh, big impact on you on your childhood. Um, that you, you you just you, you never do. And again, Benny Benny Parsons was um, was was one of those guys. Sounds like for you too, but but you know I, I can I can say say for me in the confidence there as well. Um, but to move on to uh, number five, getting into our top five, kind of feel like I'm cherry picking a little bit here. Um, because it, it's not just NASCAR that I would have liked to seen this guy in, but he also was a Daytona 500 champion. So I say all that to say he probably would have been a bit higher on my list. AJ Foyt. Um, obviously AJ is known for what he did in um in, in the open wheel circuits, uh, but you know did race um in NASCAR. Actually, his name won a NASCAR both on the 50th and 75 greatest driver list. He's the only driver to ever win the Indy 500, the Daytona 500. The 24 hours of Daytona, the 24 hours of Le Mans, and the 12 hours of Seabrook. Um, the only only driver to ever do that. Um, he's pretty much by everybody uh, that you talk to that, that knows auto, auto, auto racing and motorsports. He's the uh, probably the greatest race car driver of all time. Um, he, he did win seven races in his Cup Series career. Um, and like I said, you know, did win the Daytona 500. Um, he's in the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame, the Motorsports Hall of Fame, and the National Midget Auto Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, many, many championship titles we could go through, most of those coming in USAC. Um, but he also won uh, the, the IROC series uh, four separate times. Um, and again, I, that's just the, that's not even a sliver of the accomplishments that AJ Ford has accomplished. And he's also on the ballot this year, um, along with Jimmy Johnson and, and Chad Canals, among other names that have been added to the NASCAR Hall of Fame nominees. So um, definitely feel like, you know, I know AJ only won seven cup races, um, but what he did in motorsports in general and also what he did in NASCAR when he decided, hey, you know, I'm going to get the stock car. Um, I, I think you got to put him in NASCAR Hall of Fame. I'd love to have been in that era. I mean, I just don't think that AJ Foyt gets enough love in today's age. I mean, we talk about guys like Kyle Larson, who it is amazing what he does. Um, unfortunately, wrecked out last night in the in the one million dollar race. I'm just glad he's okay. Which not to get off topic, but um, yeah, I, I don't think we talk about how how great of a race car driver AJ Foyt really was back in those days. AJ Foyt is definitely a living legend, and I was pulling for his team to win the Indy 500 so bad this year. It looked like they, as a team owner, they have not had much success over the last several years, and it looked like he might win another Indy 500 as an owner. But there's no denying that talent. If he would have committed to running NASCAR full-time, he would be a cup champion. No doubt in my eyes. Because he made our guys, the regulars, they struggled to beat that man. And he beat them several times. And if it wouldn't be for some mechanical issues, he'd have beat them a couple more. Just the uh, way he adapted so fast, especially going to places like Daytona in these cars, as heavy as they were compared to what he was used to running, it's just incredible to me. And I'm – I'm assuming, and this might be the wrong thing to do, the fact that he could adjust because the cup cars are known for being the hot, some of the hottest race cars there are. Physically being able to swap between the two different styles that he mainly ran is incredible to me too. And 
there I would have liked to have seen if he just ran two seasons full time to see what kind of numbers he actually would have put up. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, just to be able to have seen um, the possibility of him in a cup car full time, like you said, he won a Daytona 500. Um, and, and back in those days, it's kind of not like today. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily easier or more difficult on, on one end of the spectrum there, but I definitely would say that it is uh, more parity in the field today than it was back then. So to go out there and do that against the Petties and the Wood Brothers and, and such back in those days, is a, it was a really, really big feat. So, um, yeah, A.J. Foyt, not, not, only, not only in the stock car, though, but, but also in, in, in opening. Them. So that's who I had at number five. Who cracked your top five there at that, at that fifth spot? Um, probably somebody that you definitely are not expecting me to say. Okay. He, uh, never won a cup championship, finished second three times in the points and only won two races in his career. James Hilton. Not expecting that at all. That's a, that's a really good pick though. That's a really good pick. Well, some of my guys are, cause I actually met James in 2017 at Talladega. And he was a real nice laid-back guy. He was still owning ARCA cars. He was still running ARCA races into his mid-late 70s. And that's incredible on to me. But the thing, I just admire him because he did not have the support that Petty's had, the Wood Brothers. None of them big teams from back in the day. He did it by himself, just had a couple of crew guys and had some guys volunteer on races. And the man in his rookie year finished second in the points, even though he didn't win a race, finished second again in 67 and second again in 1971. And I just feel that's real impressive, and he was just determined. And he might be the most consistent driver in NASCAR history, especially when you consider the equipment he was in. The man ran 602 races and finished in the top 10 301 times. That's pretty much 50% of the time. Right. In the top 10, which is really impressive when you look at his equipment. And what's crazy, looking at his stats, he won two races. Neither one of them wins came in the years that he finished second in the points. Did not win a race in none of those three years. His first win was 1970 at Richmond. And it was. could you imagine watching a 500-mile race at Richmond? I, I cannot. It would be about two or three naps probably mixed in there. I hate to say that, but <laughs> just being honest here. Yeah, that that's a long day at Richmond. And then he his second and final win was at Talladega in 72. And unfortunately, James passed away after leaving Talladega in 2018. Him and his son driving their hauler back with their ARCA car was unfortunately involved in the wreck and lost him and his son's life that day. But – uh. I just think it would have been real cool to follow him. And I admire, I have a little bit of that uh, underdog syndrome in me where I like to pull for the underdog, especially if my guy is battling for the wins. And I just think he'd have been cool to follow, especially he was really close to winning some championships as an independent. And that's extremely hard to do back then and now. It was obviously doable back then compared to now because now you can't afford to do it if you don't have huge sponsors. But back then, Independence wasn't winning championships either. He got really close three different times. Man, doesn't that make you miss the old point system? To hear yeah. somebody go, 
he didn't even win a race and he finished second in the points twice, like in those seasons. I don't know. That's uh that's a guy kinda like I guess that's your Rob Moroso on the list. I've heard of him. Um definitely read about him, but I'm not as educated about him as I am on a lot of other drivers coming from that era. So interesting pick, but definitely a, a really good one, I think. And just to imagine what he would have had, like you said, if he'd have been running better equipment in those days. Yeah, just imagine if he would have been in a Junior Johnson Chevrolet, what might have happened. But, uh, Brett, that was my number five. We're up to number four now. Who you got at number four? So, I will say this. These final four that I have on my list are all interchangeable. Um, number one's pretty solidified for me, but even so, I would say these four guys I have in my top four are all tit for tat. It really would depend on how I roll out of the bed every morning and kind of who I would pick here. But at number four, um, my dad's all-time favorite driver. Um, we've he, he I got him a shirt uh, for his birthday because you can't find a shirt with him on it for whatever reason. And um, I think it might be the favorite gift I bought him, David Pearson, Silver Fox um, from Spartanburg, South Carolina, uh, which is about 30 minutes from where I grew up at in Union, South Carolina. He was born and, and, and both passed away in Spartanburg and passed away um, almost five years ago now in November of 2018. Um, and many would say that he's the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. I, I, I think it's Jeff Gordon, but I've heard a lot of people say that it was, it was, you know, David Pearson. And if you listen to some of the quotes, we'll use Richard Petty as, as I've already talked about Richard on this list. Richard said, quote, he could beat you on a short track. He could beat you on a super speedway. He could beat you on a road course. He could beat you on a dirt track. It didn't hurt as bad to lose to Pearson as it did to some of the others because I knew how good he was, end quote. And Richard also said that he would have had 200 victories like him if David Pearson would have ran full-time schedule. So another thing about David Pearson. David Pearson, you talk about Benny Parsons only running about 500 or so races. David Pearson only ran 574 cup races in his career, but he has 105 victories. 105 victories in 574 Cup Series races. He also has 366 top tens. So he was almost about a 60% chance, give or take a little bit there, of finishing in the top ten if he started a race. Him and the Wood Brothers was probably the great, had the greatest season, in my opinion, of all time. I, I think that if you look at wins to starts ratios, um, and we'll look at it here. It's the 1972 season with the Wood Brothers. They started – numbers written down. But anyway, they started, I think it was 13 races that year, and they won seven of them, which is ridiculous. It was also 1976, absolute domination. I mean, you could go through his Wood Brothers stats. I'm, I'm looking at them all right here. And if you go to race and reference, they have them – um, color five, I guess you would say, on purple or gray or yellow for wins. There's a lot of yellows on here. A lot of number one place finishes with the Wood Brothers. Um, and what he did in that 21 car uh, was amazing. Actually, when you you can go up to Stewart, Virginia, and you, you talk to um, the Wood Brothers and, 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 you know, the people that work up there in that shop and – you know, you talk to Leonard Wood and, you know, you, you see, you know, the, the old Mercury sitting in the shop 
And he doesn't even really still like to talk about David Pearson to this day because of how much it hurt when they lost him just because that was a match made in heaven with the Wood Brothers and what they were able to do for the sport, how much ahead of their time they were in that day. And then a guy like a David Pearson, again, who's arguably the greatest race car driver um, in the history of, of NASCAR. So, again, the stats are unreal. I don't have all of them right here, but his winning percentage with the Wood Brothers would have been a good winning percentage for a Major League Baseball pitcher. That should tell you something. So, um, yeah, I, I think that is uh, remarkable what he was able to do and you know, about that six- or seven-year stretch with them. Yeah, it is crazy what he was able to do. And I'm just going to put this out here. Me and Brett do not rehearse this with each other. So we both have him at number four. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even know that. Um, one thing I do not think you mentioned is that he only ran the full schedule three times. Yeah. I didn't know how many three. times it was, but I knew it wasn't that many. He only ran it three times in 68, 68 66, and 69. Those are the three years he won championships. <laughs> I did Just throwing it, it out there. Just going to throw that out there. I mean, and, it was unreal. It's unreal what he was able to do. And to go with the – you didn't bring this up, I don't believe. And if I did, I'm sorry. If you did, I'm sorry. You bring up the 574 races and the wins. He had 113 poles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is absolutely incredible what this man could have done. And me and you have talked about this before, and I think this will be an episode that we definitely have to do on the history version of this at some point rank our top five or top ten drivers of all time and it makes a lot of people mad but he's above petty by a long ways for me he is i love I mean, King, but just look at the numbers man they don't lie yeah they don't i mean his winning percentage is insane richard petty had over a thousand starts and a lot of people probably make the argument and i i, I played devil's advocate with my dad before and been like well you know if you take richard petty's good years and you take away you know, the bad years, his winning percentage is a lot better. But he still did race the bad years. I mean, he didn't win a race from, you know, the Firecracker 400 in, in July of 84 to then his career. And his last race was in, you know, November of 92. So he went all those years. Um, I don't want to say tainted his legacy, but probably raced a little bit longer than he should have um, versus a guy like a David Pearson. I know David, David also raced for a while, obviously. He raced until – um, final race in the Cup Series was in 1986, but when you look at his final ever start in, in the Winston Cup Series in 86, it was at Michigan. He finished 10th. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's like when you look at David Pearson, um, again, even 52 years old, he was still able to go out there and be competitive. So, like I said, he is ahead of Petty by a long shot. And then, and then in my top two for sure drivers on that list, I hate to spoil it, will be Jeff Gordon and David Pearson. I just think that there's not, not a two greater greater drivers in the history of our sport. Yeah, mine would look real similar because if any of you know, I was a Gordon fan. The one thing that I hate to do, I do think Jeff's best, but it's so hard to compare eras. And could Jeff have done what he did in that era? I don't know. Could David have done what Jeff did in his era? We'll never know. But the one thing you can, David Pearson and Richard race together. Right. And, like, there, there's probably at least two championships in there that Richard Petty wouldn't have won if Pearson would have ran the full schedule. Just yeah, being honest. I, I, 
I'd probably make the argument more than that. You're being pretty generous, I think, there. Well, but yeah, I'm trying to be nice good. to the king because the king is still awesome. I'm not disrespecting King Richard. Love the king, but he's admitted to himself, like you hinted at, that David Pearson was the best that he ever drove against. Um, well, that covers our number four. Let's move on to number three, Britt. Number three is a guy who I think Noah Gregson tries to be, but he won't, won't, ever, won't ever be this guy, and is Tim Richmond. Um, obviously, Tim is kind of a, a dual threat for me on here um, for two reasons. One, because when he raced, I wasn't alive, but also because his career was cut short. Um, obviously, he ended up passing away in 1989. So, um, you know, Tim was another open-wheel guy. We talked about Kenny Owen Jr.'s and Jeff Gordon's. Um, it is widely rumored that the 1990 film Days of Thunder, which I'm sure many people have watched, is loosely based on the life of Tim Richard. Um, kind of how he was a guy who had gotten a really bad open-wheel accident, as Tom Cruise's character portrayed, Cole Trickle portrays in that movie, and wants to come over to stock cars, doesn't know anything about the cars, at all. Um, they both have a crew chief named Harry. <laughs> they both wreck a lot of stuff early on because they try to overdrive the car. But then when they finally sit down with Harry and they kind of start talking through things, they go on a run as they do in the movie and as Tim Richmond did in real life that I don't think, and maybe maybe some people might disagree, I don't think will ever happen again. And that is in 1986 where he finished first or second, first or second, if I'm not mistaken here, in 10 of 15 races. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Finished second at Charlotte, finished second the next week, wins Pocono, finished 15th at Michigan, wins Daytona and Pocono back-to-back, finished second at Talladega, wins the Glen, finished second at Michigan, finished sixth at Bristol, goes back-to-back, wins Darlington and Richmond, finished third in the points that year, and if not for some really bad watered-down finishes at the beginning of the year, probably would have won a 1986 championship. And, oh, let's not forget, he missed the first however many races in 1987 and then comes back and wins Pocono and Riverside just off the rip and then finishes fourth at Michigan. But obviously, due to the HIV virus, um, obviously his life came to an end there in 1989. But the reason I say that Noah Gragson tries to beat him you know, the big polarizing figure, the man that is, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, the ladies' man, um, wants to be seen as cool. And I don't mean this offensive to Noah Gragson, but Noah is trying very hard to have this image. Tim Richmond was that image. Tim Richmond did live that image. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Obviously, um, Tim Richmond, if he could probably talk to us today, would probably tell us that it was not a good way to live that image because that, that could have, you know, been a contributing factor that ended his life. But what I am saying is, is that he lived that image both on and off the track and that, you know, Tim Richmond for me is a guy that could have drove in any air. That's another podcast we thought about doing. Um, and again, talk about those greatest drivers. He probably wouldn't be in my top 10 because he didn't have the longevity, but talk about talent. I think Tim Richmond is as talented as any race car driver of all time. Cannot argue with you there, and I'm glad you brought him up because for some reason, as much as I like, I know he drove for my, te- my team, and I love the history of Hendrick Motorsports, and I've studied uh, Tim's story a ton. I can't believe I didn't think about him on this list, but there's just so many drivers to choose from. But 
I would agree. Raw talent, one of the best in the last 40 years. And uh, you bring up that run he went on. There's only been one driver even come close to anything similar to that, and that was the 98 season that Jeff had. Right. And other than that, even if you look at years like Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin both had in 20, Larson in 21, some of them years with Jimmy when he was winning them championships, nothing compares to that. And that is an incredible run. And like you said, if it wasn't meant for some bad finishes, and some of it was mechanical failures they had early in 86, Dale Senior might be a six-time champion right now yep. instead of a seven. So that – and just watching him run some of them races, like the Pocono race that he came back in 187, watching him come out of turn three and you could all you could pretty much read the right side of that car with the camera from the, facing back to turn three down the front straightaway and never losing time and pulling away while he's doing it amazingly raw talent and he did pretty good in the indy 500 a couple times he attempted it too so he he was versatile but i mean when you got a guy like that a tim richmond who was so polarizing that i don't think a lot of people put two and two together that um when they watch days of thunder and obviously if you know nascar i mean they pretty much wrote a movie about him so um, and how an open wheel guy was able to come over to NASCAR. But what was even more funny about that movie is that that movie kind of foreshadowed what Jeff Gordon would go on to do. Mm-hmm. So it was it was loosely based on Tim Richmond. Obviously, Rick Hendrick had a big part in that movie, and it's obviously very ironic that Tim drove for Rick Hendrick, and obviously we know Jeff did, and is now basically in, in line to be you know the, the future majority stake owner of Hendrick Motorsports. So. Um, just for me, I, I don't know. It, it, it's very interesting. There's actually, if you're, if you're subscribed to ESPN plus, they made a 30 for 30 about Tim Richmond. Um, mm-hmm. obviously it didn't do a, a lot of numbers like some of your other 30 for thirties did. Cause not a lot of people really know the history of Tim Richmond, but one of the most interesting documentaries, um, I've ever gotten to watch. So very polarizing figure for me. Um, and the, and the old saying goes here, I got another one. Uh, with my number one driver, but the old saying always goes, like he's just hinted at it, if Tim Richmond doesn't pass away and doesn't get sick, you know, Dale Sr. probably wasn't what Dale Sr. was. He's still the, the man with the stash. He's still the intimidator, but he's probably not a seven-time champion. So, Tim Richmond, number three for me. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. And my number three is going to be, unfortunately, one where – he didn't get to show what he had. And that's going to be Adam Petty. Mm. Um, Wasn't even quite 20 years old when he passed away. His birthday would have been just a couple of days ago on the 10th, back on Monday. Would have been his 43rd birthday. And just like Kenny Orrin Jr. did, he passed away at New Hampshire. Same reason, throttle hung, hit the wall nearly head on. And unfortunately, we lost him. The thing that really gets me, the numbers, if you look at his numbers, they're okay. He won one ARCA race. He had made 43, I believe, Xfinity starts. 47. Okay. And had a few top tens. Nothing great. But he wasn't driving unbelievably good equipment. 
because if you go back and look at it, Penny Enterprises was struggling real bad. And if you go back and look at it, people don't realize this. A lot of people assume that Kyle Petty got to run one race with Adam. You go back and look at that race, Kyle Petty didn't even qualify for it on speed Mm -hmm. at Texas in 2000. What I really would like to have seen is if he could have saved Petty Enterprises as it was known and it would still be a true Petty Enterprises race in the day. Thank he would have had the sponsor backing. And I do believe he had a lot of raw talent because he showed it on the short tracks growing up. He was really fast. Won that ARCA race at Charlotte and could have very easily won a couple more and just things at the end derailed it. And if you look at uh, his results, they were trending up in the Xfinity Series. and But he was racing in a time with really, really great teams and talent in that Xfinity Series. He's going against Jeff Green in 2000 in that Nesquik car, if you remember that. Uh, the guy you brought up earlier, he's still battling Randy LaJoy. So there was really, really good, and you can probably say cup talent he was running against at only 19 years old. So it's hard to judge him off of what he did in those Xfinity starts, well, then Bush Series. But my main thing with Adam, what would he have become and would he have saved Petty Enterprises like a lot of people think he would have? Just another uh, example to show that we don't rehearse this because Adam Petty is the number two for me. Um, <laughs> like I said earlier, it was another Petty. It was going to be on here. It is Adam. To tell you what I think Adam Petty, again, who died about a year and seven days before I was born. Um, I was born May 19, 2001. He died on May 12, 2000. I have two die casts in my apartment, two, just two. It is the number 22 uh, championship car from last year, and it is Adam Petty's free car that he ran in the Bush Series um, that I actually found a couple weeks ago at the 600. Um, it's an all-gold one. They only made 1,999 of them for, obviously, 1999. Uh, Adam Petty, for me, is a big reason why I pull for Joey Logano because of a guy – who had the weight of the world on him and was the fourth generation family. Um, and I think could have saved Petty Enterprises. Like you said, he wasn't running fantastic um, before he passed, but I think he would have been the guy to save that company. Um, man, what, what, what he could have done. I, I, I really, I really don't know. Um, you know, he's like I said, one of the few guys that, you know, even to this day, I can watch something on TV and get a little choked up about. And he died before I was even born. Um, also, the number one guy, I get choked up about talking about him. But, uh, man, and like I said, reading that reading that autobiography about uh, with Kyle Petty, um, man, I mean, it is it, – it really makes you wonder what, what Adam Petty would have done. But I, I think he would have had a – I think he would have saved Petty any prizes. I'm not going to go far as to say that maybe Adam would have been a cup champion. Obviously, I think he would have been a cup winner. And um, just to think what he would have done um, really makes you wonder. But, yeah, Adam Petty was was at number two for me. So, he was a uh, he was also a special human being. And, you know, even what they've done after his death um, and what Kyle still does to this day. Um, I mean, it is uh, it is awesome. Kind of, kind of the legacy up there with uh, Victory Junction and, and, you know, even going on and, um, the motorcycle rides that Kyle does to raise money for Victory Junction. You know, just what, what Adam was able to accomplish 
even in his short life and now the legacy that he's left, I think is more important than even what he would have done in a race club, in my opinion. So. Yes, the impact that he would have had on the sport was huge, would have been huge. And it's just really because, you know, you wasn't born yet. I was seven years old at that point. Didn't really, I knew, was starting to know what racing was, but didn't really know. All I remember, I remember being a kid and thinking, man, a lot of people get killed in this. And it, because that was my one of my, because he passed away in May. Just a couple months later, Kenny passed away. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we know what happened at Daytona in 01. And a lot of my early memories of NASCAR, other than just a few memories of watching racing with my dad, are newspaper articles of terrible accidents. But along with, I believe NASCAR was, hey, I think he did have an impact on the sport. Because I believe they were in the process of trying to figure things out. Now, Dale Earnhardt admittedly advanced that when he right. passed. But I think him, Kenny are part of that Dale Earnhardt legacy of helping. They've helped save drivers' lives for the last 20-some-odd years. So that's not a good thing that you would want to, but he did play a role, even if it was in such a bad situation. But uh, since he was your number two, I guess I'll go ahead and give my number two. And this is a guy that did not run cup, and I – but he won nine NASCAR sanctioned championships, and his name is Richie Evans. He won the uh, Winston Modified Tour in 85, and that is what is now the Wheeling Modifieds. Mm-hmm. That was the first year it was in existence. He won the Winston Racing Series championship from 1982 through 1985, and then won the Northeast NASCAR Modified Division in 1973, and then 1978 through 1984. His numbers are absolutely incredible. I don't know why he didn't ever go to Cup. I'm not sure. You listen to a lot of old podcasts or shows like I do, and there's some people that say for some reason he didn't get the opportunity, and there's some that say that he didn't want to because he was making a good enough living and having fun and winning all the time running the Modifieds. So, all the power to him if that's what he was doing. Um, I would have loved to have seen somebody with that excellence that he had. Because, and also, I don't know, Brett, how much you watch Modifieds. Modified racing is really cool. It's yeah. fun to watch. It's usually really close and tight. And even back then, it was the same way. And I would have loved to have watched him do that. And you watch, like earlier I said, I'm a little bit of a, underdog type person at the same time i respect people when they can just be that excellent for that amount of time it's incredible to see because you would think you would lose some of that edge maybe you would quit caring a little bit and wouldn't try as hard and this is across all sports as much as i dislike bringing up football the patriots and tom brady you got to admire what that man did for as long as he did Right. And that's kind of the same thing I'm going here with Richie. And unfortunately, he died at a young age, too, at 44 years old. Passed away in a crash at Martinsville after clinching the Winston Modified Championship the week before. He had clinched it ahead of time. I mean, he ran 28 races in 1985 in that series. He won 12 of them. 
at four poles and won the championship. And yeah, that's even, ridiculous. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. So I would have really liked to have watched him. And I also, part of me wishes he would have made that jump at some point to see what he would have done in the Cup Series. And one other note real quick before I turn it over to you to Brett. He was the first non-Cup either driver or crew chief to make it into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's uh, that's how I got to know about him when he made it into the Hall of Fame. Um, Jack Ingram, you know, the great Bush Series driver, obviously. I made it in there, I think, just after Richie. I actually got to know Jack in, in his later years. Um, had lunch with Jack a few times. And, uh, you know, got to research some guys, like you said, that made the Hall of Fame that were not necessarily our great cup drivers that we look at. And Richie Evans – like, I mean, numbers are ridiculous. Like, you're not lying there. Um, and like you said, to be able to sustain that for the amount of time that he was able to do so and win the championships, he didn't modify it. Because, hey, let's be honest, it, it takes a different skill set, but it takes a lot of skills to drive a modified. Um, and if you listen to Monday's podcast, you know, I'm picking a modified guy for Sunday's race in Ryan Priest because I think, you know, the skills that you possess and you get from that series, especially if you're a really good driver, driving those modifieds, um, it, it does translate, especially to your short tracks um, and then the major touring series. So um, I love that pick at number two. That's a really, really good pick. And like you said, why would you move up? Like they asked Scott Bloomquist one time, you know, why he never wanted to go to NASCAR. He said, well, I'm making, you know, more money over here in dirt than I am in NASCAR because he was dominating and winning. And it's kind of the same thing for Richie. You know, he was dominating – as much as he was, which he was in, in the modifieds, why would he make the jump over to, uh, up to, you know, the Bush or even the Cup Series at that point? So, I'd say that's a great pick at number two. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, why? it would be silly to make it, but me just being the fan that I am, I'd have liked to have seen if he could have transferred that over to success right. in the Cup Series. But I, we're up to number one now. I, for some reason, got a real sneaky suspicion it's the same person. I don't know why, but go ahead and give us your number one, Brett. It might be, knowing us. Um, yesterday was the 30th anniversary of his passing, actually. Um, so that yep. might tell you if it is or not. Um, yep. Davey Allison. Um, yep. Davey is, um, like I said, he's a guy, man, I could go and watch a YouTube video right now and probably tear up, man. Like, he's just uh, in my living room in here. I bought it at Charlotte. It is like an old Texaco Havoline pit shirt um, in my bedroom. I got three hats in there sitting up. It's a uh, 45 Adam Petty hat. It's a Hall of Fame Davey Allison hat, and it's a Joey Logano champion hat from last year. Um, I think for, for Davey and for Adam, like I said, they have kind of contributed to my fandom of a Joey Logano because of obviously Adam coming up at the age that he did and not getting to fulfill potentially what he would have been. And Davey kind of coming off rip, supposed to be that prodigy, turned into that prodigy um, of what his dad and his uncle was. And then, you know, in 92 kind of had a championship taken away from him because of a wreck that happened in, you know, in Atlanta kind of reminded me what happened to Joey in 2014. I was watching this this morning, actually, when, you know, the car slipped off the jack at Homestead. And, again, it's it's a lot of different things. But, you know, also driving a Ford, obviously, I think, plays an impact to it. But, I mean, you know, I, Davey Allison is probably one of my favorite drivers. And 
he died almost, you know, eight years before I was born. And just the history of him and who he was and how good of a human being he was first and foremost. But, you know, 19 wins and 191 races. Again, should have won a championship in 92. I can't reiterate that enough. Um, you know, obviously, Alex Wiki, who also passed away, unfortunately, 93, did win a championship that year. But it's still gut-wrenching to me that Davey Allison didn't win that championship. Um, and like I said earlier, we talk about – I had another analogy to draw. We say, what would Dale Sr. have been if Tim Richmond lived? Well, what would have Jeff Gordon would have been if Davey Allison would have lived? And I think that, you know, for one – for, for one, I think Robert Yates Racing would still be um, an organization today because you look after Davey passed, they still had success, even won a championship with Dale Jarrett, but it just was not a sustainable success after Dale got out of that car and then obviously the stock market crashed and you couldn't predict that any of that stuff the way NASCAR uh, happened there almost at the turn of the decade in 2010. But, man, I mean, Davey was just uh, – he was tough as nails – um, I mean, I could go down a list here. It's just there's so many things about Davey um, being in the Hueytown game with Neil Bonnet, with his dad, with his uncle, um, among others. Obviously, there's a lot of lot of lot of names in that in that Hueytown game. But um, I know I've kind of started to ramble at this point. But yeah, I mean, and you know, partnering with Larry McGrounds, who, in my opinion, is the most underrated crew chief of all time. Um, just what would they have been able to do? I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, man. I'd love to see it. Both, both have been there, and maybe you know, even if Davey would have got to live, I would. I would like to think that he would have raced into my early childhood, and I could have got to watch him race at least. So, Davey Allison's number one for me, and obviously he's number one for you too. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. You know, I talk about what if he wouldn't have passed away. He probably, in my opinion, if you look at the average career, his rookie season was in. 86 full-time all right no 87 full-time um he probably would have been racing until the mid-2000s i assume and because of this i probably may have not been a jeff gordon fan because i'm an alabama boy and obviously that's where davy's from I would have been a huge Allison fan, I believe. I love the history of the Allisons, him, Bobby, Donnie, all of them. And you bring up that 92 season, he lost the championship in one of the top two or three greatest championship battles in the history Mm -hmm. of the sport. I feel like Alan Kowicki was very deserving, but it was Davies' championship to lose. And unfortunately, because of Rick, that wasn't of his own making, he did lose it. And you go back and look at that 92 season, just the – crazy turmoil that he went through he starts out the year he wins the great american race the daytona 500 wins one the one hot night the first all-star race under the lights doesn't know it until he wakes up in the hospital has <laughs> yeah. to drive with his hey see videos of him from the next week his eyes look real bad bloodshot he keeps racing though they get back on roll, win another race, and then they go to Pocono, and DW turns him on the back straightaway. And he just has this, one of the worst-looking flips that you'll ever see in NASCAR down the straightaway at Pocono. Comes back from that, beaten, banged up, obviously. Gets on a roll and gets himself in contention on the championship. 
and had it won if he could have just fin- if he'd have just finished where that car was capable of that day, he'd have won the title. But because of that wreck, we wound up having that incredible duel with Alan Kowicki and Bill Elliott at the end with Alan coming out on top. I wonder a lot what he would have done. I believe you would have seen some incredible racing between that 28 and 24 throughout the 90s because he would have still been there, but Ray Abraham and Jeff would have still been there because I would like those cars would have been just as fast as they were anyway. But you throw somebody like Davey in there, and especially if you look at it, where it could have really changed, you look at the 28, that car, Larry Mack and them kept that car fast. And Ernie Irvin was doing but Ernie kept getting hurt himself. Right. So that car itself, you bring up Dale Jarrett, but that didn't really start until three or four years later where he got in that 88 and became a threat. There's a good three to four year window from obviously the second half of 93 until probably 90 through 97. No, 96 when Larry's still the crew chief because he left that from 96 a year to go be Earnhardt's crew chief to where they just couldn't keep a driver and they got in a roll a little bit finally and looked like Ernie was going to be a championship threat. But he just unfortunately kept getting hurt. If David would have been in that car those four years, there's no telling what they would have done. And obviously, Larry McReynolds probably would have never went to the three car because him and David were best friends from the same area in Alabama. So there's no telling what he could have done. I do believe he definitely would have won a championship, possibly would have took one or two away from Jeff. Unfortunately, we'll never know. And one thing about the Allisons, my, back in the old days when Bobby and them was racing, my daddy met Davey when he was just a kid because my daddy used to work on cars. He owned his own mechanic shop. Him and Bobby went and got this. Bobby would be getting parts for his race cars where daddy was getting parts for these cars he was working on for other people. And we'll run into Bobby and see Davey. So I know I would have been a huge fan of his being a part of the Alabama gang. And I'm from where I grew up, it's probably three and a half hours to where he grew up at. So I know him passing away definitely changed my fandom of the sport. And it definitely changed the history of the sport because there's no telling what all he would have accomplished. Yeah, that Alabama gang was, uh, I mean, so um... – had such an impact on the sport. Um, and like you said, you talk about Davey, what he was all already had accomplished. I felt like, you know, he finished eighth in the points in 88, had two third place finishes in 91 and 92. He was winning races consistently, top fives consistently. Um, man, I mean, him and Larry Mack together were kind of the before Ray and Jeff, before Chad and Jimmy. Um, before Cliff and Kyle, before Paul and Joey, you know, you think it's some of your really notable crew chief and driver combos, you know, Andy Petrie and Dell senior even comes to mind. Um, but that, those two with Larry Mack and, and, and even we talked about Harry Hyde and, and Tim Richmond, um, just when, when you really think about um, what, Larry Mack and Davey Allison could have done together um, and what they did achieve. I mean, Davey, Davey was on a roll to where he was obviously championship contender in 93. Uh, just what he would have done in the back half would obviously would have decided a championship. Um, you talk about Ernie Irvin. Ernie Irvin was a championship contender. Had pretty much, I mean, within reason, had it locked up there, if I'm not mistaken, in 95, and then he got hurt um, at Michigan. So, and people do forget Dale Jarrett did drive the 28 car um, before the 88. Um, 
but obviously didn't have as much success as he had in 88. But, man, um, yeah, I, clear cut and dry for me. I, I think if Davey Allison never, never passes away, I think that him and Jeff Gordon, along with that three car, would have had some battles in the 90s. That would have been unforgettable. Um, but obviously, like you said, I think definitely these guys that passed away in the early, mid, and even late 90s, you had a lot of accidents and a lot of fatal accidents across all three series um, in NASCAR and even ARCA series at that time. And then obviously Dale Senior's accident, no one, was a big one. I think it's all contributed to why we haven't had anybody pass um, to today. And I, I know David did pass away in a helicopter, but he got injured a lot in, in the car. So I, I think that just all of that has kind of contributed to why we've had the safety that we've had nowadays. Um, and I was actually watching about the car tomorrow. I was watching a documentary about that actually this morning and just kind of how it, quote, unquote, ruined the sport, but also how many lives it did save. And I think that, you know, the safety improvements because of the sport, because of the injuries and, and, and the death that were sustained, um, the sport is in a better place, fortunately, but also unfortunately because of the lives that we lost. I couldn't put that any better. And like I said, this list, we both put out some really good names, I believe. And I had a feeling we both were going to go number one with this, with Davey. And to be honest with you, there's a bunch more names. Like, I, I didn't put – neither one of us put Dale Earnhardt on our list, one of the greatest of all time. We, right. I didn't put Richard Petty on mine. There's so many names to choose from through the history of the sport that were unbelievable for many different reasons. And, like, you know, one of mine, there's a couple more, really, that could probably be on there that never made it to the Cup Series. So Right. And Dale Senior, for me, I did think about it. I entertained the thought. It was just that I feel like, for me – I've watched so many documentaries and uh, I've watched and read so much stuff about Dale's career. And he was such a mainstream celebrity, not only in the sport, but in, I mean, he was a mainstream celebrity just in the United States at that time. There's so much out there about him, right? Like you don't really have to ponder what it was like to have been alive when Dale senior raced. I guess for me, at least. Um, yeah, I agree with so, you. That's why I'm that the way that I am, and didn't he wasn't on my list. I agree with that. Is that might have been what just made me feel like I wish I could have watched him. Obviously, I still wish I could, but not at the level of these other guys. And that's probably why, because there's so much more to you've been able to learn so much more about him compared to some of these other guys. But uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on, Brett, before we close out the show? I know we had some guys on here that were proven, some that were unproven. Um, but, yeah, it's just something that my dad and I talk about a lot and just got to introduce the subject to you. And I knew you thoughts would run wild. And, you know, you had some guys on there that I'm sure a lot of people that if you're a casual NASCAR fan, you definitely not heard of. But just yeah, no awesome, awesome list. Um, but, yeah, Davey's a guy, like I said, him and Adam um, still to this day, um, anytime I'm able to collect any kind of memorabilia of them, I uh, I, I make it a point um, that you know I, I give up some money to have that their memorabilia because that what they did was just um, and who they were really as human beings I think for me too um, were, were really big. So um, I'm glad we got to do this. Um, it's unfortunate when you really think about it, but it's also cool because you get to revisit the history and maybe what could have been, which is always neat to do at some point so it's always fun to revisit the history of the sport because without that history 
if there wasn't a past, we wouldn't be a present right now. This sport right. wouldn't be as big as it is. Wouldn't be as safe as it is, unfortunately, with some of the names that we mentioned. Um, and like Brett said, me and him both have a bunch of ideas for a history-based episode. And we haven't decided what we'll do next Friday yet, but we'll let you know Monday when we review New Hampshire. And, um, and guys, y'all have a great race weekend. Hope you enjoy it. Stay safe. And like I always say, go support, support your local short tracks. And we'll see y'all next time. Later.